Before downloading, consuming, or listening to this podcast, please be advised that there is adult language within this podcast. Those who are offended by adult language should not listen any further. Further to that, all views by our guests are that views by themselves, their opinions. They do not necessarily represent Studio M or the host. Thank you very much. Mood Boards, a design podcast by Studio M. Branding, interiors, graphics, and the business of design. Coming at you from our Dubai studio. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Mood Boards, a Studio M podcast brought to you by me, Christian Stinson. This week's edition, we have Chanel Venter on the show. Chanel is the managing director and founder of Magnify, which is a mystery shopper concept for the F&B and hospitality industry. As you can imagine, we go deep into what she looks for in terms of design, functionality, and what makes a great hospitality experience, as well as a bad one. Hope you enjoy the show. And remember, as always, please like, share, comment, and yeah, drop us some feedback on hello at studioem.net or reach out to us on social. Thanks again to Chanel for being an awesome host, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much, Chanel, for joining us. I think we'll just start this off by giving us an introduction as to what you do now as part of Magnify. All right. Hello. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So yeah, so currently I am the managing director and founder of Magnify. So basically what we do is we are a mystery shopping company. So we send people out to different locations. We specialize in the hospitality area specifically. So we send people out to go and pretend to be guests, have an experience, eat a meal, stay at the hotel, pretend to do everything as a guest would. They submit quite a detailed report on their experience and this is then submitted back to the hotel, restaurant, and they're able to kind of use all that insight to improve the experience. Okay, so we're a mystery shopper company. Company for the F&B industry, essentially, and hospitality. Yes, exactly. Wow, okay. So with that in mind, how does one get into that? I mean, what's your background? How <laughs> the hell do we get there? Because um, like, this is the kind of job people dig, right? I, I think I could do this. I think anybody can go and eat for free, yeah. right? And just have to submit some sort of feedback on what they thought. Honestly, I've had so many people who are actually interested. As soon as people heard that this is what I was going to do, everyone's like, oh my God, send me, send me. <laughs> so yeah, I know it's a cool job. Because you can't go yourself anymore because you're no. too well known. Yes. So and my- secrecy is a huge part of what you do. Honestly, if it's not a secret, then there's no point because then obviously the service is distorted. So I can't go, which is really sad because obviously my face is now attached to everything. So I have to send other people, which is unfortunate for me. But basically, I studied hospitality management. So that's kind of where I came from. I studied in two places. So Switzerland was where I started, which was quite cool. Left South Africa, went straight to Switzerland, stayed there for a couple of years. And then I actually finished my degree here in Dubai. Okay, so what age were you when you went to Switzerland? I had literally just turned 19. Wow, first time out of SA? So I traveled out of SA twice before. So it wasn't foreign to be outside of home. But it was my first time by myself in a completely new country. First time seeing snow. So it was pretty crazy. First time that actually English wasn't, you know, the first language spoken. Yeah, it's a tough place to go because the hospitality management degree in Switzerland, it's a pretty tough gig. It is so tough. And you know what? My expectations weren't, they just, I just had these kind of expectations. That it was going to be like a normal university degree, but it's actually, it's like a job. It's like work. I mean, I remember sometimes, you know, depending on the course that you had to do, you had to wake up at like 6 a.m., be at the restaurant because there'd be different re- restaurants on the campus that would feed the students, but they'd be run by the students as well. So some of the courses that we had to do, we had to wake up at six o'clock, 
go run the restaurant, work back of house and stewarding. And then we still had to go to classes afterwards. And then we'd finish by five, six o'clock in the evening. So it was sometimes a 10 to 12 hour day. So it wasn't like a normal university. God, it was pretty tough. Like a 60 hour week. Jeez, it was, yeah, it was so, so tough. But so much fun as well, you know, like it was really, really cool. But very operational focused. I had, had the best time. Learned how to snowboard when I was there as well. Learned to speak French. So it was really, really cool. I can just kind of imagine though, trying to think back to when I was 19, 60 hours a week wasn't, you just got on with it, didn't you? You sort of, it was so exciting or you yeah. just sort of got into it. I mean, did you get a buzz when you went there? Did you really love hospitality from day one? You know what I did? I mean, so when I when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do as most people. Because no, I God. don't think we should choose when we're very wary. I'm very wary of people who do know what they want to do. I know, me too. I'm just like, how? So I had no idea as most people do. And I just thought it would be fun because you get to travel and it's all about obviously... Yeah, seeing the world. And so I went there not really knowing what to expect, but I absolutely loved it. And you know what? The long hours don't really affect you as much because everyone is in the same boat. We're all having fun. You're young. You've got so much energy. So yes, we would go to class from six to six, but then we'd still have fun afterwards as well. Did you do that whole six month? Or is it six months or a year where you're on site, like an assignment where you're in a hotel where they send you one? Yes. Yeah, so actually part of your degree, you have to do internships. So yeah. you have to do two or three internships. So it was actually one of my internships where I came to Dubai, which is how I got here. I was still studying in Switzerland, came here for my internship. I was working with a Hyatt. Grand or Park? Grand Hyatt. Okay. Yeah, I was working in F&B, which is really cool. Lots of fun. Really, really hard work. So hats off to everybody in that whole industry. It's a massive hotel as well. I mean, it's yeah, it was a really, lot really big. of stuff going on there. And I, I can't remember was, how many keys it is, but it's something ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's about 600, 600 rooms approximately. <sighs> wow. So many F&B outlets. Like it's a beast. And so that was a big eye opener for me. But also it was my first time to Dubai. So coming from Switzerland, quite quiet. I mean, it's in the middle of the Alps. It can be a little bit boring. So when I came to Dubai, I was just completely taken aback by the city. Loved it. Loved the action. It and must be just like... <laughs> Honestly, I was so the first like month I was just so overwhelmed, like massive culture shock. And I was like, Jesus, just such a crazy lifestyle compared to the quiet little, you know, Alps. Uh, How long before you crashed and burned? Because you come in, we yeah. all we all do, and we're like, work, party, work, party, work, oh, burn. Yes. <laughs> I think it took me about a good year until I was like, I really need to make some changes because it's just too much, right? And they call it, what's it, the Dubai Stone? Yeah, that I think you have thing. one of those for each year. <laughs> so it's every year you hear, I think you do it. Or it's just, just me. No, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it definitely happened to me. Well, I, that's because we didn't have takeaways or like deliveries. No. From, like McDonald's delivery what <laughs> crazy right I remember in, like in Switzerland when we were living there if we wanted to go to McDonald's we had to catch like a little cable car down the mountain we then had to catch a taxi for another 10 minute drive and McDonald's was the only takeout in the place that I was at so suddenly your Big Mac has cost you 30 euros oh my gosh <laughs> exactly Fran- Swiss francs sorry Swiss francs yeah it was very expensive Right, so you did have a background before you set Magnify. So that's yes. really, you know, that's very, very important because this mystery shopper industry is gets tainted with a blogger type industry too in, in terms of like yeah. people like critiques and stuff. Exactly. Very, you know, whereas anyone can blog about a restaurant or a hotel. Exactly. And be a lifestyle blogger. Exactly. But very few of them actually have a background. So is that one of your core, you know, USPs as Magnify? Yeah. So, I mean, so what we do, I mean, we focus only on the hospitality industry and that is because hospitality is what we do. It's where I come from. So no retail? No, no retail. 
we try and focus on something quite specific because we find that if we focus on everything, we're not necessarily an expert at anything. So jack of all trades, king of none type exactly. thing. Exactly. So as much as that can be quite attractive because maybe, you know, you might be able to have more clients, we want to try and just be a bit more niche in what we focus in. And so obviously having studied hospitality, having worked in for hotels, you know, since I was a teenager. So this is really where my passion lies. And so this is what we're only focusing on. And so the difference between us and a blogger is that because, yes, we do have that expertise. So we've kind of created a product that is specific to the hotel industry, restaurant industry, and we're sending people out there to actually look at things, yes, from a guest perspective, but also from a much more strategic, a much more kind of expert kind of angle. More of a holistic view. Exactly. Well, should take me on because anyone can go to a hotel and say, oh, yeah, it's awesome. They looked after us. We got free champagne. We got upgraded. Yeah. Yes, because they knew they were coming. So they exactly. put on this sort of facade and show and like. Yeah. And if they don't get the upgrade, then they complain that they didn't get the upgrade, right? So it is all, when it comes to like bloggers and and yes, guests as well, it is all about perception and perception is really important. But what we do is, yes, we maintain that perception, but we're actually going a lot more into detail. Well, I mean, I I speak to my brother-in-law about this because he's a a food critic and he stays completely anonymous for this reason. So he can be as critical as he wants, right? But what we always talk about is... Sometimes when we were reviewing hotels on TripAdvisor or these things, mm-hmm. it's so fluffy, exactly. right? It's so, it's a really nice design. Marco in the restaurant was wonderful. Check-in was yeah. a breeze. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but there's so many other fundamentals that they sort of miss. Exactly. And the thing is, is it's not constructive. Great. We're glad that, you know, you got upgraded and you enjoyed the view, but how is that going to help us? What can we actually do to improve our experience? Well, on the flip side of that as well, it's a case of, oh yeah, it was shit. Well, why was it shit? <laughs> uh, because the porter didn't take our bags in. Are you joking? <laughs> like, does yeah. that affect your whole? Your whole or stay. the bed was too hard. I was like, well, that's not a reason to one star the review. <laughs> you know? So yeah. how do you balance this? Like, it's very emotional. Uh, I mean, talk me through it. You go in. Yeah. You can't walk in with a clipboard, obviously. But no. what, are, what are the key from from the moment you walk into a hotel? Yeah. Uh, restaurants is sort of different. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. But how do you start your analytical process? What is the journey for you? The hotel itself would actually hire us. And so the hotel would say, right, these are our service standards. This is what we promise to deliver. This is kind of the criteria that we'd like you to assess. So the assessor would go in knowing this and they would have obviously the report on hand. But no one in the hotel knows you're coming. No one in the hotel knows. So nobody should know. Not even the person who hired us will know when we're coming. They'll know, okay, they're going to come sometime in the month or the quarter, but they don't know when. So they would literally make the reservation as a guest. They would come and check in as a guest. Nobody would know. And are you monitoring from this stage, like from the online? From the point of the reservation. Right. This is when it all starts, whether it's on the website or whether it's a call. So they completely pretend. And so there'll be different scenarios. So the hotel can tell us, right, you know, we usually have business people coming to stay with us, you know, for a couple of nights for business. So we want you to play that kind of role of a business, a businessman. And so we would send maybe one or two people to kind of play that role. Maybe next time it'll be a different role. Maybe it'll be people on holiday or whatever it is. So yeah, so they come in, pretend to be the guest. They'll check in. They'll go to the room. They'll go and have breakfast. If it's a business person, they'll go and use the business facilities. And have you sent them like a mental checklist at this point? Like going, you know, think about your check-in, think Mm -hmm. about reception. Shouldn't be any more than 10 minutes. Yes. Like, do you have a criteria? So they have, yeah, there's a report. There's a full unreport that they would have. So they would carry their laptop with them. And obviously they just need to, they can't sit in a restaurant and take notes or they no. can't. So they have so to be So give me some subtle. examples of what's probably the most, uh, you know, identifying thing to look for. So obviously 
the, so checking in, we're checking yeah, in. Yeah, arrival experience is super important. And this is where first impressions are made. And so this is quite important. So some of the things they would look for is were they greeted, you know, as soon as they walked into the hotel? How long did they wait to do their check-in? Was there a queue? If so, were they acknowledged? How long did the check-in take? Did they have all the correct details? So if at reservation, something we do quite often is we, we play around with food allergies. So we say, okay, right, you are dairy intolerant. You cannot have dairy. So they mentioned at the point of reservation, did they then pick that up when the guest arrived? So we can really go into quite detailed kind of aspects of it. Yeah, you, you're setting hurdles for them. Exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, especially with I mean, food intolerance, this is one thing that so many people are starting to become more aware of and they're starting to acknowledge. So we play around with this. We could even play around with certain disabilities as well or guests who have language barriers. So really helping them to be able to overcome, like you say, these hurdles for different types of guests that come to the hotel. Do you ever send in angry guests on purpose to see how they're dealt with? We do try and like sometimes they, they tell us we want a difficult guest. And especially in Dubai, we have so many of these difficult guests. So they, yes, we do actually send in and we give them a brief. And I say, before you go in, you are a difficult guest, difficult to please. And so make a fuss about something, at least one thing when you're there. So yeah, we do send these guys in and we kind of see how they can handle the problems that may arise with that guest, but in a way that is constructive and not just, you know, finding small stupid things to complain about. No, because like, I always have this issue when I travel. If it's something small that I can fix myself, I don't really complain, right? Exactly. I mean, I'm not there to be literally lifted and laid. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You, you know, have to have realistic things. expectations. You know, it's funny to see what diff- people's different, you know, what the barometer is for different people as to what would piss them off and what wouldn't piss them off. Yeah, and this this is why we send different people. So we have, you know, different age groups, different nationalities, because some people, something would be a fuss for them and for some people it wouldn't be. Well, that's it. Before I had a child, there's things that would never piss me off. Yeah. That now totally rile me because, <laughs> you, can you, know, imagine. you know, something. Because your so, perspective has changed. Completely. Right? Completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. So it just becomes a different sort of thing. So I think that's why it's really cool. You have a wide variance of guests. Exactly. And so we try and send every single time, we try and send different people, different age groups so that they do kind of get that variance in their perspective as well. And it's not just like we don't just measure, you know, service standards. It's also about how people feel when they're in a hotel, in a restaurant, how they felt through a certain experience, because that's super important as well. So that's a big part of what we do is this kind of emotional side of things. Right. With a hotel stay, for instance, it's yeah. very hard to get a snapshot, in my opinion, over one night. Do you do over one night or do you do a so two, two or three nights, uh, minimum? Two ni- yeah. So two nights is what we usually do. For some hotels that are more business oriented, then we can do one night. Okay. Yeah, but if somebody which wants, is their customer is a one night, yeah, exactly, and that happens for a lot of hotels. But two nights is our kind of recommended minimum average stay. Yeah, yeah, because I think that it gives you an overall better sense of the actual hotel operations wise. Yeah, and you can kind yeah. of get a sense for consistency as well when you're well, there you there for a bit longer. Well, you see the bed being made. You see if they change the laundry. You exactly. see if they change the towels. You see the turn down as yeah. well. You can measure breakfast over two different locations as well. Is chocolates on a pillow still a thing? Yeah, definitely still a thing. Uh, Amenities. So these kind of little free freebies that we get are becoming more and more popular because they're actually showing that little touch, you know, that people look for. And they're actually, sadly enough, becoming an expectation of people. Oh, yeah. See, I never got that. I always just get really chuffed when I see them and have yeah. them that I don't really learn to expect it. I mean, uh, it was when I was working in hotels, um, people would actually complain if they didn't get a chocolate on their pillow. So seriously. for some people, it's actually become an expectation. 
Oh yeah. my god. Which is okay. really sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> We're just trying to do something nice and here they are complaining if we don't, you know, give them an extra something. Yeah. I'll go back to Ian though. What in earth as I said, so many people are, are, are doing this and through lifestyle blogs and through yeah. things that you know, which I've it's no, it's, it's no secret. I've been a big critic of this in the past because I sometimes think that the reasoning for doing it is wrong in mm-hmm. terms of getting freebies and yes, you know. I mean, I've seen it with my other company where I've had influencers reach out to me and ask me for the most ridiculous freebies really? out of nowhere. Yeah, it's completely shocked me. Jeez, like completely shocked me. You know, the brass neck of it sometimes. Yeah. So then I think to myself, when someone is in the market who's legit, like yourself, has mm. a trade license, has the background, has the yeah, you know. I think to myself, one, how on earth did this come about? Did you just <laughs> no? So did, did you have a chat with someone one day and go, "This is a good idea," or did you just think, "I've yeah. been in the industry for so long, mm. this is what I service I would have appreciated." So, so I when I was working in hotels, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to work in a couple of different departments, but my main one that I was in the last time was a, a department called business excellence, and here we actually all we focus on is the customer experience. So we measure it, we analyze it, we actually launch projects based on all this data. And some of the data that we would get, so mystery shopping is actually a real thing. I mean, hotels across the world use it. And so I remember working with a mystery shopper in, uh, specifically. And most hotels and actually restaurants here in Dubai, they there is nobody locally who can do this. So we would actually fly in people from the UK to come in and be a secret diner for us. You're shitting me. I swear to God, we would fly them from the UK to come and stay with us for two nights and give us a report. And oh my God. If you're doing that, they'd almost feel obliged to give you a good report. <laughs> yeah, because you're flying. They're, they're getting a free stay. They're getting a free flight. They can bring their family with them as well. Economy or business? Economy. Okay. That yeah. That was in the agreement. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I just, you know, and I got to a point where I just thought... Well, because if you thrive in business, you know, instantly from the moment they're on the plane, yeah. like, best holiday ever. Exactly. And <laughs> it's got nothing go to do with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So I just thought it was really crazy that we were flying these people in from the UK and that nobody could do it locally. And this is, you know, I was dealing with them. This is, you know, a massive part of my job. And I just remember sitting, you know, over coffee with a friend and, and, and we were talking about this. And he just said, you know, well, why, like, why don't you do something? You know, this is what you do. And so, you know, I kind of just brushed it off and I, you know, didn't take it too seriously. But then a couple more friends would say this to me. And then I actually started to maybe think about if this was something that Dubai needed. And as I did more research, I actually found that there's a lot of interest in this field, particularly for hotels who don't want to spend the money to fly people from the UK, for restaurants who actually want legitimate feedback on how they're doing and wanting people who actually know what they're talking about to give them that feedback. Especially with, I mean, which with, you can hang your hat on and say, yeah. I have all this experience and I have a degree and I have, I know to look for exactly and this is literally what I did for a job within hotels before I went off on my own so we know what we're talking about and we've created something that is really specific for the for the hospitality industry and something that the main purpose is to create value so that you as a restaurant or a hotel can actually improve I think for me if I was on your shoes I would probably struggle as to know where my line is that I can cross and can't cross I mean you can I don't see if you if you've must have had a few stinkers yeah, for sure. But you can't really go in and go, look, it was just shit, shit, shit. You have to sort of give them something to work on, do you? Or? I mean, it can be. It really depends on, on the client. Some clients are a lot more open to feedback. And it's these guys that are easier to work with because you can be a lot more honest. Yeah. Um, but obviously, honesty, we have to be honest no matter what. You have to protect your integrity. Exactly. So even if it's a really difficult conversation to have, we have to, you have have it. to have it. So, you, I mean, with one of the clients, there was 
particular scenario that was just a really awful experience and the restaurant was quite busy. It was just, it was quite chaotic. And so in an instance like this, I mean, their score was, was really low. Um, but I actually went and delivered that report in person and had a chat with them about this experience. Some people take it well, some people don't take it well. But at the end of the day, they're paying me to give them this feedback. What they do with that feedback is up to them. How long has this been going now? So it's been going about, we launched at the beginning of 2019. So about six, seven months at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Have you had any follow-ups on previous ones? Or are you in that loop now? Is that where you're going next year? Yes, exactly. So with the new clients, we do have regular sit-downs. So quarterly or bi-annually, we do have sit-downs with people. But yeah, so now we're starting the whole follow-up process. At the beginning of next year is when we'll do most of the follow-ups and have the chats with our clients to kind of see where they're at, have they improved, that kind of stuff being slightly facetious here but I am thinking it's almost like Gordon Ramsay's hotel nightmares you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where you, you exactly. know you hear almost going back going previously on <laughs> <laughs> I know it can sometimes it can be like that yeah for sure in terms of like good experiences as well no mm. one wants to be told it's nice to be told it's awesome it's nice it's even when we do a design it's nice exactly. to be told it's great but yeah. sometimes it just feels like they're holding something. You need to give them also some... Not everyone's perfect. No, definitely not. So even if it's a really good experience, do you still think, well, here's some areas that it could be even better or... For sure. So, if, I mean, we definitely... So we're big about celebrating the strengths as well as highlighting, like, the weaknesses. But you do. You, you have to be able to recognize... Because no place is going to be completely terrible. There's definitely going to be some good things. And at the end of the day, we're measuring aspects of the experience that are important to the restaurant as well as the perception of the of the mystery shopper. So yeah, so it's kind of like a bit of a balancing act that you have to give them something to celebrate, but also give them something to make them even better. Coming back to the idea of a holistic approach to this idea of monitoring and checking and stuff. Yeah. You're completely front-end in terms of being customer experience. Yes, right? we are. Do you envisage in the future you're going to investigate back-end? Yeah, this is something that we would look at because, I mean, obviously, you know, we do talk about the, the guest experience being heavily influenced by the experience of, of the staff and if staff are happy, if, if, if they're feeling respected and, and they enjoy the environment, they're going to be a lot more productive and they're going to create better experiences then for the guests. So this is something that we would like to then start to kind of move into actually, I guess, in a way, mystery shopping the employee experience. Yeah, because we're in the world's happiest city and we're out of the customer yeah. yeah customer happiness centers and all this yeah. kind of, and it is important stuff welfare is huge for me right yeah no matter which business i have it's so massive. important i think sometimes um people at the top or people who employ you maybe don't know what's going on at the ground level and this is the thing and it's often it's often these guys we do find when there is this disconnect between them and the operation they are a lot more enthusiastic about the about the feedback report as well and they're the ones that actually find it the most helpful as well and so I think if they could have kind of the perspective of the guest but also the perspective of the employee that would be a really kind of great way for them to really take action in a sustainable way you know because with me as a I guess whatever I judge my experience being based on my interaction with the lowest level worker. Yeah. Like when the hotel manager comes up and starts smoozing, I couldn't give a shit. That's their job. That's their job, right? Yeah. It's just, it's smarmy. It's the, it's just disingenuous. Not all the time, but it's, it's a face. It can be. Like, I mean, but that's your job to walk around absolutely. and have chats with you, you know? Absolutely. So I, you know, expect that. Yeah. Completely. Same way I expect the valet to always have a massive smile on their face. You exactly. Know? And not to crash my car. <laughs> Has it happened? <laughs> no, thank God. 
I then start looking at the maids and the turn down service and all that. Yeah. And generally, if they're quite happy and friendly, I'm thinking this is obviously a good place to be. Exactly. And I mean, in restaurants, like, you know, the runners, the guys don't actually interact with the guests, but you can, I mean, they've got a really tough job. Like they're often carrying really heavy things and running back and forth. Like it's a really tough job. I used to be in hotels a long time ago really? and restaurants as a kid, like, okay. you know, your, your typical sort of 16, yeah. 17 yeah. year old. I used to be a runner. Yeah. That okay. shit's hard. It is tough. I mean, even now to this day, my wife doesn't understand how I can carry five plates yeah, I mean, on one arm. I'm like, boom. It's a little technique that you have. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, the little forearm yeah. technique. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, I've got this kneel down. It is so tough. And it's it, it's really hard on the body as well. I mean, at the end of the shift, like they're exhausted. They've been carrying plates. They've been carrying trays. Like it is a really tough job. Oh, and I used to mind sweep for beers and leftover wines really? and stuff. Yeah, just to help the eggs. <laughs> And then, For me, um, it was a dessert. I'd always then, take the yeah. dessert. And then the worst thing was then being stuck on the breakfast shift the next day, which is like <gasps> the hell of all restaurants that is and literally hotels. just clearance. Clearance, clearance, clearance. Breakfast shifts in hotels is like, that should be like a, like a sentence for jail. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like that should be a punishment, you yeah. know? You've done bad. Yeah. You're going to work in the restaurant for breakfast for a month. Yeah. That it's was tough. A, it's just killer. But it? it's true. If, if you can see people who are working in this kind of, like they're runners or they're working in breakfast and they're smiling and they're happy and they're still engaging. I think that says really, it says a lot about a company. If they're able to have people who are willing to literally put their bodies on the line, but still have a smile on their face. I think the key thing for your business will be when you do your next loops yeah. of investigations, going back to ones to see what their staff retention is. Is that a big indicator? 100%. And we often find so restaurants and hotels that, that do have long-serving staff are often the most successful because they're able to kind of create those relationships with people. They can recognize people. They just create a, a, like just a bit of atmosphere to, to work in. So turnover plays massively into the guest experience and also whether they're actually able to action improvement. Because if you're continuously having new people, you're just you're going nowhere. You're, you're you're training people and then getting them to do the bare minimum, and then you're going back to the start. So turnover is massive in terms of being able to actually enhance guest experience and move forward. Let's get into the design element of your okay. investigation and what you do. All right. We're in Dubai. The design of hotels here are amazing. Right. There's, amazing. Yeah. There's just so much to look forward to. Yeah. Be it you know the new cool boho rows style of things or yeah Zabil House yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, love Zabil House them. I think it was uh, Lulu Fisher did the design and she did an amazing job on oh that. so cool even the Vidas uh, yeah. yeah have you been to the new Vida in Emerald Hills I think that was Lulu Fisher too okay. I think, yeah I think she's, yeah. Uh, she's done a great job done an amazing job on they've that. even got a, like a gin bar in there as well which is really on trend hello best friends <laughs> I have a gin collection at home that would make oh, me do cry you? Oh. yeah I'm still competing with my brother-in-law to see who can get the biggest one. <laughs> He's we're, winning. We're both past 50, so I okay. don't know where we go from there. Yeah. Um, Oof, I, think our, I think our wives are sort of curtailing it now. Jeez. Um, I can imagine. Then we should actually start drinking it. That's when the problem is really going to start. They <laughs> <laughs> so are. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's very hard now to be impressed with design almost because yeah. it's so open to us. You know, we forget how lucky we are here. We're so spoiled. In terms of a design aspect, when you're looking at critiquing and whatnot, mm. do you bypass the fluffiness and, or do you look at a bit of the fluffiness as well, the pretty stuff? Or do you f solely focus on function when you're looking at design? Or how do you, I mean, is it 50-50 or? 
So it's a little bit of both. So usually restaurants, the clients themselves want us to look at the functionality. So we do look at functionality of the space as well. So how easy is it to kind of flow through, table positioning, spacing? Are you sitting on top of somebody? Are you not sitting on top of somebody? Also just, um, you know, like gap between table and chair. Can my legs actually fit in the table? So we do look at functionality in that aspect. And also bathrooms. So bathrooms is a massive, especially when it comes to design and, and usability and functionality. I think bathrooms are super important. Like they can either elevate an, an experience or completely just, you know, I'm not devalue often it. fine to be putting my makeup on, but when I am, whether well, my wife is, um, <laughs> the bathroom is always the sore point in terms of lighting and the mirrors. And is there a seat? Can I plug something in? Do I have to move from one room to the other to use the hairdryer? And- exactly. And you know what? This just shows, and I think often, especially in Dubai, places go up really quickly so that not a lot, a lot of thought can actually go into the spaces. And so people aren't necessarily creating the spaces with the guest in mind. So when it comes to the bathroom, women especially, like lighting is massive. Lighting for the mirrors as well. And when it's too bright, you can't actually see what you're doing. And so you're probably going to poke yourself in the eye. But a halo mirror looks so pretty. (laughs) I know, it's beautiful for Instagram, but really not practical because you can't actually see what you're doing. And also in some bathrooms, especially, you know, especially if it's a nighttime venue, the lighting needs to reflect that. Like girls want to feel good in a space. And if you go to a bathroom, bathroom and the lighting is that really harsh bright lighting like you don't feel good yeah I mean I always just judge it based on if I have to pee in the middle of the night I just don't want the big bright light to come on and wake me up exactly (laughs) and especially you know some rooms like uh, if you go into the bathroom it triggers all the lights That's the worst. That's why I love the little under-counter details sometimes they do, where it's a shadow light. Which is really subtle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we do, like, functionality is a big part of it, but a lot of... Well, in terms of functionality, I would say one of the big issues we have with restaurant design here is... Obviously, because of the rents and because of what uh, all the other sort of commercial components, we're over we're overfilling, we're over putting between too many seats, too many chairs, exactly, way too many covers, and that kills the experience. Is that something you see quite a lot? Yes, a hundred percent. So we do see smaller restaurants, which can be quite nice and cozy, but there's a definitely a line between cozy and I'm literally sitting on top of my neighbor and I can hear exactly what they're talking about, who they're complaining about. So there is that line. So we do look at, um, and obviously a big part of it because I mean. Which guess, can be totally fun if they're having an argument. I mean, right? it can be because I mean, you can I've be quite few, naughty. I've seen a few breakups and I'm like, yeah. Have you? I've been like, with my, I've been, I've I was been, part of that. Yeah, and I've been with my wife and I'm going like, shh. <laughs> he said, what? <laughs> and then, you know, or someone, he would say something like, just calm down. Oh, mate, never say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't ever say that. <laughs> no, but it is, it is like you are constant. I've seen it quite a few times recently yeah. when we've been out in groups and you are on top of each other. And it's like, it's re- it doesn't matter what you're eating. It doesn't matter. It, it kills that, the vibe. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. And so, I mean, what we, a big part of what we measure is, I mean, I don't know what better word to use, but vibe, right? And vibe the atmosphere, the ambience, how you feel in a place is what will get you coming back to a place. And if you're sitting on top of somebody, no matter, like you said, how great the service was or what food you're eating, it just doesn't have a cool vibe. And so this is where design, like design massively influence the atmosphere and the vibe of a place. And oftentimes, like not people aren't going to talk about the design, unfortunately, all the time. It's not no, something they talk about. No, because it's constantly something that gets missed. Because I am a bit of a arrogant so-and-so and I do check people's <laughs> reviews of restaurants we've designed and to see if they've mentioned anything yeah and very rarely they do and like I'm going is that because of shit I'm like oh, no it's know. not it's awesome it's, I know it's awesome <laughs> if, if it was shit they would tell you and yeah this, but this that's the worst a- thing <laughs> like I, so no news is good news yeah. in terms of design because unfortunately it's just not something people talk about they talk about the food and maybe a particular person or like the vibe but design influences that but it's not something they talk about 
No. Unless there's something wrong that stands out, like I was sitting on top of my neighbor or the bathrooms were terrible. Yeah. You know, so. Or there was a hostie who was literally kept us waiting and standing. Exactly. How, in terms of vibe, hostesses and are the gentleman version of it as well. Yes. Which would be a maitre d'. Yes. That's got to be a killer in some restaurants and people's vibe, right? So that's the first impression. I'm going to give you a really good example, right? We're quite relaxed. Yeah. You know, we don't really get dressed up too much because we, we've lived here forever. Yeah. Uh, Ems is I born. Feel you. Yeah. Ems is born here. Yeah. So it's a case oh, really? of. Yeah. Okay. So Ems is like, we're like, I used to go to Parasti in like a singlet and shorts, sun Jandals. Well, sun cream dripping down because that's what the vibe was. Yeah. No, sometimes it's just like we're, we're married a long time. We've got a kid. We just want to be comfortable. Exactly. You know, I want to be able to pop the old top button on the jeans when I've had my dinner. <laughs> you know, so we, so we, we dress to relax. Yeah. And, and to then, eat. And then sometimes you go to these restaurants and you get looked up and down and you're like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> As if to say, how have can you, you afford to come here? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But then they don't say it. And it's, it's just terrible that it actually comes from the, from the hostesses and the maitre d's because I can guarantee you it's not coming from the owner I couldn't be it couldn't they be. want the money they want yeah. people in there and so this perception is just and that it's just created by the culture but they get 100% like if I mean I've walked into a number of places and if they look at me like that or they just my first impression is like that I would actually I walk out yeah. and I'd rather go somewhere next door where they you know they're happy to see me I just think sometimes it's awful being judged in that sense and I don't 100% want to, I, I don't want to get into it but sometimes you think who are some people to judge others when they're on you know, they're probably exactly. living in accommodation and whatnot. Yeah. And just because yeah. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, it doesn't mean that I can't afford mm. to eat here. But I mean, it's quite surprising. The trend the trend nowadays, actually, and with kind of the emergence of like the younger generation, people are underdressing. Like, well, I want to talk about this because Nicola has just come back from doing a food tour in Australia. Okay. Oh, fun. Yeah. She was overlooking at some stuff with Mark Pierre White to be designed for. Awesome. And part of that, she did a food tour. So she's done okay. all the big ones. She's done Voudemont, Key. Um, what a cool job. <laughs> well, yeah. For design research type yeah. thing. Sure, sure. And Voudemont has been like her, like Shannon Bennett. She's dying to go there forever yeah. and ever and ever. And he's top, probably one of the best chefs in the world. And she got really dressed up. She looked beautiful. And Danny, her husband, got dressed up. And they looked like a really hip young couple. Yeah. And they felt overdressed the moment they got there. And it ruined their really? vibe. Because they had guys just sitting wearing so jeans and t-shirts. And then she was like, oh, I'm overdressed. I feel like a dick. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they sort of took her a while to relax. Yeah. And then as she, we came back and spoke about it and went, is this the new cultural thing? Is this the new generation? 100%. 100%. I mean, so, I mean, let's be honest. Like, millennials are not kids anymore. They're actually, so they were pretty much aged, I think, between 22 and 40 at the moment. It's us, really? Yeah, it's us. I mean, are our expectations changing? 100% they're changing. And one of the biggest trends is that we actually don't really care that much about appearances and materialism as much as the older generation. Unless we're on the gram. Yeah, exactly. Unless we're influencers, uh, for sure. But so there is this trend in actually underdressing and even people, you know, who are quite well off and who are really, you know, doing well for themselves, they don't feel like they have to spend their money on a Rolex or on Armani jeans or whatever the thing is now. So the trend is is to actually underdress. And so there are quite a few places now that are trying to maintain their kind of high level, kind of fine dining-esque concept 
but actually having a dress code that allows people to come in and be casual and comfortable, which is a really cool trend to see. And I'm glad places are actually adapting to this because it is like us. Like this is how we want to dress. I can't remember the last time I wore heels anywhere. It's just... Friday night for me. <laughs> uh, Whoa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pro. Bit of karaoke. Okay. Yeah. That's a lie, by the way, before anyone reports me and reports me. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, true. It's true. Uh, sometimes the dress code thing does annoy me because I was turned away and from a place because I was wearing flip-flops, thongs. Yeah. And this is a, a normal sort of bar bar. It's, it? it's not really a great bar. It's a well-known sort of hangout for post-brunch Asian food, street food type thing. But I was like, my wife's wearing sandals. It's literally the, it's same, the same thing. thing. It's feet. No, girls, you girls can get away with a lot more than yeah. guys do. I'm like, are you shitting me? Yeah. I mean, it is quite short-sighted as well. And I feel like it is quite, I don't know, it's quite old school. And I feel like places need to be a bit more adaptive to kind of the direction that things are going in. And the fact is, is that we are the ones that are spending most of the money in Dubai. It's our generation. And so however we want to come dress or whatever we want to, you know, show up as, you should welcome us because we're going to spend our money with you. You know? And I said, millennials now, us, we are tending you out in bigger groups. Yeah. You know, catching up with friends. Exactly. You know, brunches and whatnot. Yeah. How does that affect space and planning and stuff? Because one of my pet peeves. Yeah. In terms of hotels is all day dining restaurants. Yes. They are the worst. Uh, yeah, I agree. Normally, not through anyone's fault, but it's normally the architect has got the whole package to design the whole hotel. Yeah. And then they throw in the all day dining as an add on. So it's always very sort of beige or it's just very simple and clean. It's very kind of hospital, kind of cold. It's cafeteria. Just with, cafeteria, with, yeah. Cafeteria with a pretty bow. Exactly. And the thing is, is because not a lot of their budget is going to go in there. They're no. trying to cater on a high turnover. They're trying to fit in as many tables as they possibly can. And um, then make it for breakfast, dinner, lunch. Exactly. And so they don't really, I mean, it lacks atmosphere. It lacks atm- like ambience. And so um, it's just a space that is a little bit dead. And so nobody is ever going to write about the fantastic time they had at an all-day dining experience because the design is lacking and it's all about how you feel in a space and if you feel like it's a cold empty cafeteria you're not going to have a good vibe which brings me to boutique hotels and these sort of really cool three four star hotels right bohemian style they've sort of bypassed that whole holiday dining and now started employing actual restaurant designers to come in and it's transforming the space it's amazing what they're able to do and you'll see like i mean like the zabil houses the vidas the roves their spaces are super cool and people flock there because of how cool they feel in the space. Not because it's massive and the buffet is massive and they can have whatever they want, but it's because how they feel in the space and they feel cool and they feel hip and they feel trendy and they feel creative and inspired. And it's all about how people feel. Because at the end of the day, that's what they remember. Is and, Well, it's attracting a customer outside of the hotel. Yes. Whereas normally the all-day dining would be relying on the customer inside In-house, the hotel. 100%, unless it's brunch. Okay, so are you seeing that a bigger trend now to where people are going to these smaller sort of hotels and yes. for the restaurants? Definitely. And definitely because of the space. Like the space influences, like I said, how they feel. And that is key. Because you don't remember, I mean, yes, you can remember the food and you can remember like the people you were with and stuff, but you actually remember how you felt. And if you're sitting in a cool space that's got a really cool vibe, you're going to go back. I want to talk about how... There's this thing now where, in a different sort of business format, in the D2C world, in the direct-to-consumer world of shopping, for instance, which, yeah. which my other company's involved in, okay, I'm starting to notice a huge thing in post-customer care. Okay. 
And I think this is something notoriously terrible in your industry, yeah. <laughs> right? That's all about pre-customer care. Yes. Get them into the hotel. Yes. And then it's like, right, bye. Yeah, see ya. And then you get an email going, join our loyalty or yeah. special offers, right? Well, give us your feedback on yeah. the survey. Even then, it's just so impersonal. Yeah. Whereas in the other industry, it's really becoming very customer-centric. Yeah. So it's so hard and it's so expensive to capture a customer mm-hmm. that they don't focus on retention. They focus yeah. more on the spend to get the customer. Which is um, crazy. Right. Yes. It's completely. Crazy. Short-sighted. As an example, I ordered just some shoes from Allbirds okay. for my wife. And they sent me an email going, just brilliantly, out of nowhere, going, hey, we messed up. We're not going to be able to deliver today. It's a heat wave. Our drivers are hiding under the, under the bridge looking for shade. <laughs> Please bear that. with us. And I'm like, that's so cool. That's taking yeah. me from being really pissed off to being like going, okay, I'm, I, things, these and things happen. And all he did was be honest with you. Yeah, these things happen, so I'm cool with that. Then the shoes arrived. Yeah. Two weeks later, another email. How they working out for you, Emma? <laughs> that's amazing. You know, yeah, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you, uh, have you broken them in with any good walks or anything you want to share a photo of after? And I'm like, bang, that is awesome customer care. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. It is so costly to get new customers, and especially in Dubai. Like, competition is fierce. Well, the acquisition for a per head must be ridiculous. It's massive. It's, it's, it's crazy how much you have to spend just to get one person to come into your door. So it makes sense that you should focus on the people that are already coming, making sure they have the best experience possible. Otherwise, they could just go next door. So it, is, it needs to be about focusing on the people that you have. And so this is where post-customer care, I mean, that, uh, you, you're literally tapping into their emotions. You're making them feel like, man, like they know who I am. They care about me. I'm like 100% going to come back. A very simple example. What do we all give when we check in? What do we all give? Yeah. Passports. What's like, on the passport? Our names. And our birthdays. Exactly. So they put it in to the computer. Do nothing with it. A lot do of people. It, yeah. yeah. Would you not, you know, as part of your job, maybe go in and say, look, you know, Muhammad and, you know, Rashima came in last week. Yeah. For their wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. Just mark that down. It was their wedding anniversary. So then this time next year, we'll email them two weeks before and go, hey guys, your wedding's anniversary is coming up. We'd love yes. to have you back. <laughs> yes. You know, and we miss all this. This post-customer care is pony. We have so much information. Yeah. We have so much information on our guests and our customers and we don't actually use it because we're so focused on just kind of day-to-day just getting people through our door that we don't think long-term. And long-term is about taking care of the people that actually come to you or have come to you in the past. I mean, so something we do as well is, so we don't mention that it's a birthday, but we would, would check somebody in whose birthday is in that week that they're staying in the hotel. And so we actually don't say anything, but we notice if they are proactive in actually noticing that it's their birthday, exactly like you said, and if they do anything about it. And oftentimes the really sad truth is that they don't. Ouch. Yeah, which is really sad. I mean, but this is, it's feedback like this. So the hotel then clicks and it's really easy to put a little system or process in place to then be able to do this in the future. So, but yeah, it's really surprising how, I mean, people have this information and they're just not doing anything with it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it's awesome for, you know, you to identify that and to bring it to them. You're still very early in your journey. Yes. Loving it. You know what? It's It's been really exciting. There's been many highs, many lows. I think it's normal, but absolutely loving it completely. I love what I do. really passionate about it. I love working with people, but it's not easy. I mean, it, it can be quite hard, especially here in Dubai. Well, are you going to look further afield as well? Yes. You're flying people here, so um, maybe people <laughs> will fly you elsewhere. Is this something you want to look at? 
definitely. So definitely we do want to expand. Um, so some of your brands you work with presumably have 100%. other locations. Yes. And so that is something that's going to be, uh, it needs to happen quite soon for us because a lot of the brands are expanding internationally if they haven't done so already. So definitely you want to expand outside of the Middle East. I think Asia would be a big market for us as well because a lot of our clients are going East and it's just, it's just a place that I love. So we will for sure be looking at that. I also think captive hotels need to look at themselves yeah. in terms of like, say the Maldives and Mauritius where it's a captive client. For sure. You can't leave. That, that the, the hotel worst. is even more important yeah. because it's literally all you have. Mm. Yeah, so Maldives is, it will be a market for us. We've already had some interest from there as well. So definitely we would be looking at these kind of island destinations. That's when you dye your hair, put on glasses, pretend to be someone else. 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, I just don't show my face. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one, guys. Just get a burka. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty exciting. No, it's, it's a really cool journey. Yeah, we're just very excited for. Fantastic. For. And where can people get hold of you? So you can get hold of us on the website, magnify-co.com. We're also on Instagram at magnify.uae, also on LinkedIn and Facebook under Magnify LLC. Or can you get you on LinkedIn as Chanel Venter? They can, yes. Yeah. So or Chan- as you will probably be called multiple times on the phone, Channel Venter. <laughs> Just for spelling reasons. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Channel number five. <laughs> yeah, so Chanel Venter as well. And, and if they're interested in working with us, they can just reach out um, to me directly, Chanel at magnify-co.com. And you don't send your criteria to anyone before you go or do you, do? You, well, you show your criteria to the person employing you, but no one else sees it. Nobody else sees it. So obviously they tell us, these are our service standards. These are the areas we want you to look at. Maybe these are our pain points. Can you focus on this? So the only people who know is the person who's hired us, the assessor and myself. Those are the only three people. I just think it's an awesome, awesome concept. Thank you. If you're ever doing a review or doing a mystery shop of anything we've designed, I would love to know because I think it's important sometimes you get feedback, even as designers, as to how people interact with your space. 100%. 100%. And we don't really have those metrics available to us. Yeah. Um, if something's not working, the first thing they can blame is say, we need to change the design. Well, maybe the design won't affect it. Exactly. I mean, so functionality is something that, I mean, easy, I think easier for you guys to get metrics on. But I think what would be really interesting for you guys is how people feel in the spaces that you've created, right? Does it create that kind of vibe that they want? Well, that's it because they always do... Uh, uh, customer card and it says ambience. Well, ambience could be like a million different uh, things. It's so vague. Yeah, so I mean, vague. Ambience could be: does it music? Is it smell? Is it? Well, it's too all-encompassing. Yeah. You know what you want to almost sometimes get is like a customer card on the actual design. You know, furniture, comfort, smell. <laughs> exactly, but you know what the annoying thing is: is you can't ask your customer those twenty thousand questions no. because they're going to be like, "Nah, I'm not doing that." So this is why I think it's you know we can really create that value because you can tell us to look at all those twenty thousand aspects because that's our job. Yeah, I think that's where you have real value. Exactly, and it is real customers that will be giving you that feedback. They're just hired by us. Yeah. Yeah. And also you're getting it from a layman's perspective as well. It's not always your expertise. For sure. Which is very important, especially when it comes to anything that's designed with kids in mind or whatnot. Definitely. Definitely. But no, it's a mix. I mean, you want want people to go in who have expertise, but also you want people to go in who are actually just real customers that would go and eat at your restaurant or whatever. So what does the future hold for Magnify, apart from expansion overseas? 
Oh, future is really exciting. I mean, we're definitely looking at kind of getting our fingers into a number of different areas. So training is something that we're looking at. Well, are you on your own at the moment or have you got other people with you? I've got a small team yeah. um, that we're working on. I have a nice big database of you assessors. You don't need to have a big team, really, do you? No, I mean, it's a really simple business model. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I find myself doing things that I've, you know, I've never done before, even including finance, which is not a passion. But yeah, so now we've got a really small team and, and just looking at getting into training as well so we can have a kind of a more holistic product. So yes, we can assess you, but we can also create custom bespoke training programs for you that will help you to address particular needs that come up. So yeah, so this is something that we're looking at and possibly what we talked about as well, the kind of employee side of things. Yeah, I think that's massive. I think just in terms of you're a brand who owns a hotel, whatever, you really need to look after your people and the exactly. people are the front, the front end, you know, the, the front line warriors type thing. Exactly, for sure. And I mean, I mean, with our feedback, you can you can often look at is it is it the employees that are causing my guests to have a bad experience? But if we can do that for you, it kind of just it, it just gives you that more value. And like the hostesses, for instance, hundred you know, percent, or the sommelier that always has to produce the most expensive wine off the menu rather yeah. than give you the, you know, I'm. I always applaud a sommelier who picks based on what I like rather than what the price is. I know. And it's so, but just a little touch like that would make you actually spend money on a slightly more expensive wine that you would, but not necessarily the most expensive, simply because he didn't try and completely rip you off. No. Yeah. Exactly. Not like the person who recently recommended a 300 dirham glass of wine to my wife. Are you serious? Like, is, like, in what world? Does it. <laughs> Does it give everlasting life? <laughs> you know, is it is it the cup of Christ? <laughs> <laughs> you will be mortal. Yeah, immortal I mean, rather. I mean, am I instantly going to grow like luscious locks from drinking this? <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, crazy. But I mean, like nowadays. Although some people, that's just a general drink for them, so they can afford it. Yeah. Not to judge. No. Um, awesome. So before I let you go, I'm going to run through through. You're an entrepreneur. Yes. You're working. Probably all ours God sends because this is still very new to you. Yes, still you're lots learning of a learning lot along the to way. do. Oh, so much. What is it that you're doing? Sort of, are you doing anything to help you grow? Or anything to help you learn? Are you doing any coaching? Or are you reading any books? Or is there anything you can recommend to anyone? You know that you've sort of come across recently. We think it's a really good book, or it's a really good podcast. Yeah, it's helped you sort of think about things. Yeah, definitely. So, a book for me that I kind of read in the beginning was The Lean Startup. Oh, I'm reading at the moment. Yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah, I just got it delivered two weeks ago. Yeah. So. I mean, it's not the easiest read. No. I, so I tried reading it before bed, and that is a mistake because you will literally read two pages read and then fall asleep. Before you go to bed, read fiction. <laughs> yes, 100%. Not nonfiction. It'll keep you awake all night. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't the easiest read, but it was just super helpful. It's just kind of like a, a no bullshit kind of approach, really kind of tangible things that we could do. So I found that really helpful and it helped to kind of manage my expectations. Because, I mean, startups are hard. Being an entrepreneur in the beginning is really hard. You know, cash flow is an issue. Just trying to be able to do everything is an issue. So that was really helpful so the lean startup definitely recommend it you also make a shit ton of mistakes in the early days oh, so many. you think your logo is the most important thing to you so you spend weeks and weeks doing it when you realize no one actually gives a shit exactly and so i mean the biggest thing the book taught me was that it, perfectionism is not like it's not a thing just get something out there you can always tweak it later but the more you overthink things and the more you try and make things perfect you're actually just wasting your time and you have no idea if people are actually going to like that or not so it really is just about getting stuff out there just moving forward and you can always change things later so it has been quite a massive learning experience and in the beginning I definitely overthought a lot of things and so now I'm kind of reaching the point where I'm just like fuck it you know I'm just gonna do it you know 
Yeah, I think I said sometimes you just have to live and die by the sword. Exactly. Whereas if you stand on the ledge all the time, you're never going to jump, really. Yeah. And it's oh, that's so cringy. I found it sound like one of those gurus from like a Bross <laughs> that documentary. Was, that was so great. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, H-O-M-E is such a special word because it personifies home. But, oh Shut up, you dick. <laughs> oh, God. But it's so that was, that true. Was a, that was a documentary I was watching. I was like, are you taking the piss? <laughs> a little bit cheesy. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. But it's true. Like if it was easy, everybody would do it. I just sometimes are very good podcasts yeah. as well. Yeah, podcasts I mean, are great. Any cool sort of apps you're using on your quest? The moment, so I'm using Medium quite a lot, but it's more just, I don't know if you know Medium. No, explain that to me. So Medium is, it's kind of like an online platform for freelance writers. And so they write about absolutely everything and anything. And so you can post articles on there. You sign up, I think it's like $5 a month or something. And there's just really interesting articles written from people across the world about different topics. And they have quite a lot on startups, on business, on finance. And so I found that a really helpful resource. And the articles are usually like three, four minute reads. Oh, good. So it's really quick, like snapshots of information. And it's written by actual people in actual different fields or in different you know I don't know whatever businesses and stuff and so I found that really helpful yeah, yeah because for me. as a startup you know coming from a hospitality world where it's sort of being told what to do exactly you have to kind of unlearn everything because you you're taught to kind of think in like a really I don't know straight line and it's just not a straight line it's completely zigzagged and so you kind of have to unlearn everything and start to look at things a bit differently yeah I mean I think as I said before in a few podcasts it's like a life. It's like a life learning MBA. Yeah, and you just you never stop. And as soon as you got one thing, like something else comes up. I mean, big thing for me was I didn't realize how much work it took to create content. Like that is a massive. That's a job in itself. So content is key. Exactly. And the problem is you don't want to stiff out shit content. Like it has to be interesting. It, it has, has to be to something be genuine as well. Well, that's it. You want to think of well, would I read this? Would I find this comfort? You know, because I've yeah. read some shocking content really well I'm starting to see it now where people are trying to set themselves apart we do it with the podcast for instance yeah where they're writing blog articles and I read one the other day about children's design and I read the whole thing I was like this is the biggest load of shite I've ever read in my my life (laughs) and I really wanted to get into it and like comment and go you literally have no idea what you're talking about and you can tell like you can 100% tell yeah it was just sort of it was like most SEO written bollocks and it's usually the bigger companies that are putting content out like this is it? yeah I I find 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 it's people here trying to put themselves across as experts and then you read it and you're like nah and I was almost gonna write and say something go like you seriously have no clue what you're doing (laughs) Because Emma specialized in children's design. Awesome. Okay. And, and then I stopped myself and thought, I just can't be bothered with it. Yeah. I can't be bothered arguing. Yeah. You know, because you can never win when you argue with idiots. No, 100%. <laughs> then again, people might think the same about us. <laughs> <laughs> All about perspective. Which you'll never win an argument with me because I'm the king of the idiots. <laughs> um, Chanel, I've loved having you on. I think it's a really cool sort of perspective on how others interact with design. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool perspective on what we as designers, you know, we should look at in terms of functionality. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's been really beneficial. I think your service is something that a lot of people could definitely, definitely benefit from. Great. Um, I think so as well. Yeah. I just think, especially in the restaurant space as well, where we, again, we talk about food, service, food, service, food, service. It's important. Yeah. But we've sort of missed aspects of either design or functionality or the overall experience. And food and service, you can change. Design, oftentimes you cannot. 
So it's important you get it right from the beginning as well, you know. Thank you so very much for coming on. I wish you all the best for the future. Yeah, and, thank uh, you so much. I'll probably look, yeah, we'll probably catch up again next year and see how it's going. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye.